Welcome to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis is all about our city as an urban place, including its neighborhoods, buildings, pathways, and parks, as well as the people who shape it. Join us each week as community leaders and commentators talk with me about our shared built environment. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Memphis Metropolis and WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm your host, Emily Trenum, and I'm pleased to welcome a new guest to Memphis Metropolis, who's Anton Mack, who is the executive director of Explore Bike Share. So welcome, Anton. Thank you, Emily. I'm excited to be here. You know, transportation is one of the topics I like to cover, and sometimes we get in the weeds. I haven't had Matta on yet, but I've had a number of, uh, Nick Euler's been on a couple of times, you know, the city's bike and pedestrian coordinator talking about what's happening on the bike front and talking, actually, we had he was on recently talking about um, some depressing statistics about pedestrian safety in Memphis. And so transportation is a subject, um, of course, very, you know, very integral to the built environment and just something I've um, got a lot of interest in. So I've been wanting to have you on, and I'm happy you're here. So let's just start out by, you know, pr- I like to think a lot of my, my listeners are kind of in the you know planning world, but I but this is on the radio, and so people will be driving around and might not know about Explore Bike Share. So let's just remind people what Explore Bike Share is, how long it's been around, and um, you know when it was, why it was conceived, why the community needed it. I'm rambling as usual, but that's the first question. Sure, sure. Well, Explore Bike Share is a nonprofit uh, transportation uh, company here in Memphis, and we are just about to celebrate our third anniversary. So excited to be here for three years. And what we do is we provide bicycle transportation for residents throughout Memphis and Shelby County. And uh, our goal is to be able to move people around uh, town for the purpose of commuting, for the purpose of running errands, for the purpose of living a healthy lifestyle, getting recreation and exercise, um, and also because riding a bike is fun. When's the last time you've seen someone riding a bike without a smile on their face or or, or being unhappy? It, it really is, we think, a healthy lifestyle um, essential for, for every Memphian. So we have stations that are Uh, spread uh, throughout Memphis. And from those stations, you can rent using our our app. It's called a B-Cycle app. And with that app, you can uh, register uh, and create a profile. And once you uh, create a profile, you can purchase passes to be able to uh, ride. We have a two-hour pass with our traditional bicycles. And then, of course, we can talk a little bit about the e-bike, which is coming along uh, new as well, too. And we have a new pass for that as well. Uh, I would be remiss in, in not mentioning uh, the best deal is our annual membership. Uh, and, and that is uh, an opportunity for you to ride uh, at your whim, uh, unlimited rides for 60 minutes uh, a piece. Uh, throughout the year. So uh, it's $120 right now. It's a a discounted uh, price while we were adding all the the e-bikes to the new system. Okay. Yeah. I do want to talk about the e-bikes in a minute, but um, yeah, I mean, people, I think when you think about it, if you, um, you shouldn't need to own a bike if you want to ride a bike, I mean, bikes are expensive, you know, really a decent one is several hundred dollars. And then there's maintenance and there's flat tires. And if you don't ride it often enough, it gets rusty in your garage. Do not ask me how I know that. But, um, but the, but this is a way a bike share programs in general are, um, have been around for a number of years. They're very popular. I mean, New York city of course has, a very comprehensive system, but people who travel may have seen them in tourist areas, like a lot of beach communities have them. And uh, so it was great when it came to Memphis for people who don't want to get a bike or people who have a bike, but go to Shelby Farms and say, you know, I didn't bring my bike, but it wouldn't be fun to, to get a bike and take a little spin. 
So, um, so Anton, you're, you know, you've been in that position a little more than a year and you've got kind of an interesting background. I think you have kind of a corporate background, worked in human resources. You're also an entrepreneur. We were talking before we started recording that you, um, developed and have a small social club called Century House that's been closed for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, you've got a very interesting and diverse background. And so what, I don't know if you have, if you've, if you have run a nonprofit before, but what attracted you to this position? How'd you get to this exalted position of executive director of Explorer Bike Share? You, you know, that's, that's a great question. My first job in life, I was actually, uh, I, I worked in a bike shop. So Really? Uh, okay. Full yeah. circle. Yeah, full circle. Absolutely. I was 12 years old when I started, but I was working for my father. So um, uh, initially, so I was really just helping out and I learned how to repair bikes. Uh, and then I started reading up and learning on, uh, about bikes um, uh, and just became fascinated with them, which led me to just becoming a lifelong uh, avid cyclist, um, having been a former athlete uh, and then having this separate uh, culture, uh, um, a corporate experience, uh, it really brought me to this opportunity uh, to be able to to run help run the organization. But really, the defining moment for me was it, it's an opportunity for me to contribute to Memphis. Um, I've lived in Memphis for about seven years now, but I've been visiting Memphis all of my life because my uh, grandparents uh, and my parents are from here. So I just really wanted to find a way to give back to the city. Uh, I've been active in a lot of different organizations that are really supporting the growth of the city. And I think uh, the bike share um, and transportation uh, are really key elements in our success uh, in, in growing forward. So it's a fun job. It's a fun experience. It gets me out. Um, I get to ride bikes. I rode from downtown to Shelby Farms uh, yesterday uh, to meet up with uh, Marilee Harris. Uh, they were having a uh, uh, celebrating bike to work week. And um, and it was wonderful. We were able to provide bikes uh, for them, and uh, and they had a great time. And we got lots of county employees out uh, uh, riding to celebrate. That's great. Well, I didn't know you. That was your, you know, that you had a bicycle background. So um, that's just very interesting. So your dad owned a bike shop. He did. He did. My my dad was 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 actually a military uh, officer, but uh, he decided with a couple of friends to try his hand at entrepreneurism uh, as well, too, and opened a a bike shop. And so he would go in on the weekends and he would started taking my brother and I with us uh, with him. And uh, and eventually we started working there. So I think we begged, you know, begged him for a job. So, and uh, he paid us pennies at first because we were really just kind of playing around. But at some point, he realized we could really fix the bikes. And um, and one day, I sold the most expensive bike in the shop, and and um, he was a bit shocked. And he said, "Wow, I guess I should put you on the payroll." So, well, by getting a good bike mechanic isn't easy. I know you know. So um, I'm glad you're able to provide that service. I'm going to file that away in my mind. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think you may know that, you know, my day job, one of my day jobs is I'm publisher and community engagement manager of High Ground News. And we ran a story just this past week about um, about the, I guess, not surprising explosion of park and greenway use during the pandemic, especially in the beginning. I felt like, you know, that's all you could do really. And I happen to be very live a couple blocks from Overton Park. So it was it was a lifesaver. Um and of course Overton Park, Shelby Farms Park, the Mississippi River Parks actually have counters. So there's data to support that. But even, you know, anecdotally at the neighborhood level, um, there's just a lot of evidence that um that people use the time to get outdoors in. So how did I guess, was that also your uh, Explorer Bike Share experience? And I know you, you know, I wouldn't say you pivoted, but you had a kind of a COVID strategy during that time. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely did. We were very concerned right at the outset, as everybody was, um, what the needs were, were going to be. So 
we, we did a couple of things. We changed our pricing and created uh, rides where people could ride for longer periods of time because we knew it would be an opportunity for people to get out during uh, 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 during the quarantine uh, uh, period. So um, that was really helpful. And what happened was we saw an increase in ridership, particularly at our park stations. The stations that were in parks or located very close to parks, we saw an increase in ridership. Even though we saw a decline in some other areas, we were really thrilled to see an increase. Uh, overall, we were almost even by the end of the year, but we were up close to 20% um, at Big River Crossing, at Tom Lee Park, uh, at Overton Park, Greenbelt Park. And we feel that these are uh, such important locations to everybody in the city because everybody pretty much from every neighborhood usually ends up making their way to these parks and using them. So for many people, they are um, a major vacation um, or, or a daily stroll, a uh, daily source of exercise. We wanted to make sure that, that we could support um, uh, uh, folks in that way. So we continue to focus on the parks and continue to promote the parks. And we're seeing a rising trend even now as the uh, restrictions are being lifted. Uh, we're seeing attendance at parks and ridership in parks going up uh, quite a bit. And do you think commuting, and I don't I don't want to get into the weeds too much about how many people use the bikes to commute, although I know that's a goal, but is that starting to pick back up? Well, well we think it is. We really think, and again, not to get ahead of um, ourselves, but we really think the game changer is going to be our e-bikes. Well, let's actually switch gears because that was my next question anyway. Um, you know, there's a lot going on at Explore Bike Share, and that's one of the biggest things. So you are introducing e-bikes. So talk about that, you know, why and, um, you know, how that fits in with your overall strategy. Yep. Yeah, there are a couple of reasons. E-bikes are certainly quite the rage these days. And these and are, let's just tell people what those are. Absolutely. So an e-bike is an, an electric pedal assist bike, and we have class one bikes. And those class one bikes, you have to pedal them for them to operate. So it's not a motor scooter, even though it does have a motor, which is very small uh, in between the pedals. Uh, you really can't see it and you, and you don't hear anything either. But if you turn on that button, and I always remind people, turn the power button on, because our bikes are both. They are a traditional bike with the power off. And once you turn the power button on, it becomes the electric uh, pedal assist bike. So what does pedal assist mean? That electric motor will kick in whenever it senses that you are struggling, when there's a certain tension between you and the pedal. So it will assist you as you start. It will assist you when you go up a hill. It will assist you if you're not quite as strong as you would like to be in pedaling. So it's really opening um, the uh, playing field for a lot of people to ride bikes. Some who struggled with uh, the, the physical uh, part of bike riding will now be able to ride. So we have uh, a larger bandwidth in terms of age uh, and ability who are, who are going to be able to enjoy the bikes because of this uh, pedal assist. Uh, they're set at um, 15 miles an hour. So above 15 miles an hour, uh, you're on your own. So it will not assist you any further. So if you're pedaling really hard and quickly, um, the motor just very conveniently stops assisting you uh, and will not operate. So, that, that's so interesting because I went to Boulder, I guess a year before last, and I think I told you that my husband and I have a tandem bike, which we ride all the time. I ride it almost exclusively because I'm afraid to ride on the streets. I'm a total uh, scaredy person to ride on the streets with cars. And but we love the tandem, and so when we were in Boulder, we rented a, you know, an an electric tandem. And which was it was super fun. You know, a lot of the trails there are kind of hilly. It was super fun, but you really didn't have to pedal. And um, you, you know, the motor was such that you could basically you didn't really have to pedal if you didn't want to. And oh. um, and it was interesting. Of course, I wanted to pedal. I didn't. I don't. Not looking for the, you know, the total mini motorcycle experience. But so it's interesting that these 
these e-bikes are such that they it is a, an assist and not a replacement for pedaling. Yeah, it absolutely is not. So you must have been on either, a, I would imagine, a class three. Uh, it could have been class two, but but a class one will not um, will not go anywhere or do anything until you begin to pedal. So it only assists you really when you need it. So if you go across uh, Big River Crossing and you've got that long decline uh, heading down into Arkansas and you turn around and come back, Usually on a bike, you really have to concentrate as you try to make make it up that you know half a mile incline. Um, but on an e-bike, uh, it, it's really smooth sailing, and what happens is you end up riding further. So I got on uh, uh, the first weekend I rode one of our test e-bikes. I got on it here in South Maine and started riding, and I said, "Oh, let me head out towards Overton Park." Um, and I agree with you. Riding on the streets is 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 never particularly exciting, and I always take the least traveled route to get there. But once I got to Overton Park, I said, "Oh, this is a breeze," and I went through Overton Park, and then let me check out check out the New Hamp Line, which is absolutely delightful. And by that time, I was at the base of the Green Line. I said, "Well, let me keep going." I ended up at Germantown Parkway at the end of the Green Line. Uh, and then turned around and came back. It was 30 some miles and I could have kept going. It's just uh, the e-bike will allow you to go further and do more. You also get a breeze while you're riding. It was 90 degrees and I was not sweaty when I was uh, uh, when I was done. So it, it, it was absolutely wonderful. But I had an amazing workout at the same time. So it does not take away your physical workout. So it's not like a like a tour de France, of course, um, it, it does make it much easier and it's great for commuting and great for running errands. Well, and, and you mentioned commuting. I do think that a barrier to commuting in Memphis and other places is that you just get sweaty if you're riding a bike. And unlike places like a Portland or a Boulder, where you might, you know, ride to work and then there's a shower, um, that just is not the, we don't have that kind of infrastructure, you know, bicycling infrastructure here yet. And so I would think, and I've heard this from, you know, around the country that e bringing e-bikes into these systems is kind of a game changer to use, you know, sort of a trite term because, uh, it just brings down one of the barriers to commuting. Yeah, it, it really does. So um, it's great in the hot and humid weather for Memphis. That's really a big issue for um, for a lot of people. And so how can you put on a suit or, um, or nice clothes and head out to a meeting? We actually think it will be easier for, uh, well, we discussed uh, yesterday with uh, some of the Shelby County employees coming from the Shelby County Health Department uh, building that's at Victoria Village uh, and coming downtown to the Shelby County building, which is right across from City Hall, will be really easy to do on an e-bike and much easier than parking, uh, uh, driving a car and parking. But you will not end up sweaty. You will stay cool at, again, 15 miles an hour. Um, it's very, very comfortable and uh, you'll get your workout and maybe you won't have to go to the gym, you know, later that day. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Memphis Metropolis on 91.7 FM. And we're talking to Anton Mack, who's the executive director of Explore Bike Share. So I want to shift gears, but um, but before I do that, I guess the traditional bikes are not going away. And while most stations have both, how's that going to work? For a time, we will have um, stations with both bikes. So the first stations that we put in with e-bikes are in Shelby Farms. So those were our pilot stations, They and they are e-bike-only stations. There are two of them, one at the Visitor Center and one across South Hyde Lake uh, at, at the parking lot there, which is uh, which stays open um, uh, essentially around the clock. So um, uh, it's great to exercise right in Shelby Farms, uh, but obviously it's a little bit further away from, from the rest of our stations. As we add new stations like Overton Park, which we've just added, two stations there, they're both hybrid stations. So we will have some of the traditional bikes remaining uh, as we add uh, uh, 
new e-bikes. We've also added River Garden as well, and then Big River Crossing will come next, and Greenbelt, and again, the focus on the parks, we really want to make them accessible to everybody. So, but we eventually imagine that we will um, find new uses for the traditional bikes that we've we've been operating. We are uh, hoping to find some support in the community, uh, funding support, uh, so that we can create a new program where we might be able to loan those bikes out to to folks in uh, a variety of communities who need uh, transportation. And whether it's transportation to go to work or to to make an appointment, um, say at the hospital or to go to school, um, there are some folks who who need uh, good, um, reliable transportation to get them a relatively short distance so that they can commit to a job, commit to school, um, and, 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 and make that commuting work. So we're looking for organizations to, to join with us so that we can provide them in a wide range of neighborhoods where they're needed. Well, I wanted to ask about that because the, um, you know, I was very sort of tangentially involved when the idea of a bike share program was being conceived. And of course, you know, nationally, there's, you know, questions about equity and, you know, who are these programs? Of course, a lot of times they're supported by philanthropy. Who are these programs really serving? And one of the things that I was just was great is that Explore Bike Share, you know, put that front and center from the front end. You know, the system, you know, opened up with stations in Orange Mount and stations in South Memphis. And then, you know, subsequently, you know, some national funding came in to support some engagement activities in those neighborhoods. Certainly, I participated in the South Memphis Glide Rides and to, you know, which the works ran through that program, that big jump program, which, you know, was designed to help get people in those neighborhoods where there's not necessarily a bicycling culture in Memphis. And so I guess, um, has the, does, sort of going back to what you just said, so has the strategy to reach those neighborhoods, I mean, I'm assuming that's still a priority, but has the strategy to sort of achieve equity, are you shifting that from what it was in the beginning? Are there still going to be stations in neighborhoods? I'm rambling, but I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, our goal is to expand that. So uh, we uh, did install stations in South Memphis and had varying degrees of success uh, at our stations across the system. We are reevaluating each and every station uh, now. The The system was designed really with commuting in mind initially. And since we um, are a, uh, a community that um, is really very committed to automobiles, I, I don't think that's... Really? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Everyone. Yeah, we really want to be a part of changing that. So um, the design, the initial design of the system put stations closer together because they were traditional bikes. As we add the e-bikes and add more and more of them over the next two two to three months, um, we know that the stations can be spread a little bit further apart. And we actually want to encourage people to walk to a station. You know, I, I, I know in, in Memphis it may not be the popular thing to do, but if it's a couple blocks away, why not walk to the station, jump on the bike, and ride ride downtown? So, so we won't have as much density in most of the areas. So we may have... a, a fewer in each of the neighborhoods. What, but what that will allow us to do is to expand more into South Memphis, to expand into Binghampton, where we're already siting uh, stations there, to expand into Uptown, uh, which is growing by leaps and bounds. We started our conversations with the Heights uh, already, and we'll be span- uh, expanding into that neighborhood. And we hope to make our way all the way up into uh, North Memphis, as we are also expanding and talking to the Liberty Park developers uh, uh, about uh, uh, adding to their facility. Uh, we're also in talks with the University of Memphis as well, too, about adding to their campus. 
some of the parks in that area, uh, re almost reaching all the way and connecting to Shelby Farms. We also would like to provide some stations um, that people can use to ride on the on the Green Line as well, too. So our goal really is to expand the services and expand our stations, but we want to augment that with this uh, new program that we call Breaking Barriers because really one of still the biggest barriers with any bike share system is the cost. And in certain neighborhoods, there are uh, cost is always going to be an issue. So we'd like to make the use of some of our bicycles free um, for those who are most deserving. And that's really the intention of, of, of this program. That will expand the reach in a different way because you can go into a neighborhood and put something there uh, that, that is costly that some people can't afford and, and and then it's unfortunate that everyone can't use it so, so in other words there will still be stations with e-bikes in you know south memphis orange mound binghamton but you'll be supplementing that with um giving bikes to individuals you know I guess, deploying the, the old fleet, as it were, to individuals for transportation. So do, did I get that right? Yeah, that, that is right. We may move some of the existing stations a little bit. Some of them were placed uh, in a location that was maybe a little, uh, that was not as, as uh, let's, let's take um, uh, South City. We play stations uh, in South City, and we have two stations that I just think are too close together. So and so we're missing part of that neighborhood uh, that's now being rebuilt, of course, but yet have two stations in another part of the neighborhood. So we'll probably leave one station there and then relocate a station so that we have uh, we're, we're catching a larger portion of that neighborhood. Well, well, there was a little station on Vance across from where Advanced Memphis was, and it just didn't seem to me that that was well utilized. And part of the reason is is even though that part of town is being redeveloped, that little stretch of Vance is really a lot of vacant lots. And um, I never necessarily, I understand the reason of, you know, the reasoning behind it, but it never seemed to me that all the, it was always full, either full or empty. Yeah. Well, it, it's empty now. It's been, you know, unofficially de decommissioned because there, there, there were, was no ridership there. So, uh, definitely well-intentioned in the beginning, and it seemed like it worked, but it's not unusual to place a station and uh, uh, in, a, in a location that seems like it would be well-used, and then you just discover that it's it's not the best place for it. So so we will take that up, and that station will end up in another location, um, you know, possibly Audubon Park, where we're uh, planning to add a station along with, with, with the parks and, and uh, recreation folks. That's a great idea. So I guess, um, last question, Anton, what's the, aside from what we've talked about, is there like a big vision or sort of a five-year plan somewhere you're trying to get personally and then the organization is trying to um, to get to? Yep. So uh, with the uh, addition of our e-bike network, we would really like to continue to expand and grow the footprint of, uh, of our system using e-bikes. We'd also like to introduce the breaking barriers so we can reach um, many of our underserved uh, communities, in particular uh, those where, where cost is an issue. But also separately, we would really like to be able to integrate um, more consistently with the rest of the transportation resources in, in Memphis. So we've just started to talk with Mata about the ways in which we can connect our bike share system with uh, uh, the various different forms of transportation for MATA. Uh, the exist, some of the existing forms, ride share, the bus system, but also the new system, the, uh, the, the, uh, the BRT, the bus rapid transit uh, line that will be coming down Union, uh, and anything else that's planned going uh, forward. We would love to be able to combine our resources in a way so that it's very easy for uh, any Memphian to get access to any of the transportation. So if you have a card that will, you can swipe and get access uh, for, uh, for uh, the bus system, uh, which uh, I hear is coming and we're really excited uh, about having that. 
wouldn't it be wonderful if that card would uh, also provide you with uh, a membership for the bike share system? So you could take a bus to the Hudson Transit uh, uh, Center uh, and then uh, jump onto a bike uh, and go uh, right down into Harbor Town um, or into one of the parks uh, where the buses might not go. So um, we envision people coming to Memphis in May and Barbecue Fest. We envision people coming to the FedEx Forum for games and other types of events by using multiple forms of transportation, uh, reducing the need for, for cars and parking uh, in downtown. Well, I love that idea because I because I think we all know that if we're going to ultimately, you know, I mean, get, making Memphis, you know, not a car culture is I mean, turning the proverbial ocean liner, I don't, we'll probably never really get there. It's going to be incremental progress. But to do that, it's got to be making it easy for everybody to use alternative modes of transportation and, and all of that, you know, and, and that system needs to work together, as you just said. I mean, we need good pedestrian infrastructure. We need good, if you get off the bus, the sidewalk needs to be in good condition. If you take the bus to work, but your employer's a mile away, you need to be able to get there, whether it's, you know, a good sidewalk or or an e-bike or, and to the extent we can make all of these things work together. And then people who own bikes, I mean, people who ride their own bikes, all those systems have got to be interlocking. And as you said, if you could have a card, I mean, yes, that where you could tap into different parts of that. Um, I'm happy to hear that that's the vision because that's, it's an ideal, but I feel like we can get there um, with the right people and the right discussions. Uh, you know, so. Well, I, I know we can get there. Um, we have a new transportation management association that's just formed and started meeting. Um, we're working with the DMC. We're working with MATA. We're working with the city. Uh, we're working with all of the interested um, uh, with MMDC and uh, Innovate Memphis. We have so many different parties that are coming together really looking at the, the same issues that you just described, you know, the condition of, you know, before you get on a bike, you have to walk to get there. And so the condition of the sidewalk uh, is important. Once you get on the bike, you know, whether the streets are, are, are clean um, and passable is important. We're so happy um, uh, to see all the great work that Nick Euler and his group has done uh, with the bike and pedestrian uh, uh, pathways around the city to, uh, to just to make it possible. But we know there's more work to be done as well, too. In my ride yesterday from downtown to Shelby Farms, you know, the second half of it was was great underneath the, uh, the, the trees. And I said, if we could extend that all the way into downtown, I actually think more people would ride and we would begin to see that culture shift. It is a culture shift. Um, and that's not something that's easy to do. But um, if we have the infrastructure in place, I, I think it is much more doable. Well, and we, you and I didn't really talk about this, but ultimately, you know, our city and county are getting to really a full system of off-road, uh, off-road meaning, you know, paved green lines and bike lanes. We're getting to a system where you can really travel really far without really getting on a street and interacting with cars. And um, as that gets complete, as the Wolf River Greenway, those segments get connected, you know, the Shelby Farms Green Line is going to be extended, um, you know, somewhere southward, hopefully connecting up with the, the fairgrounds and those two, all those things together, that's going to be great for you because it's going to provide no, even more notes um, and so, yeah, everything I'm feeling, I'm feeling optimistic. Right. <laughs> I mean, but who would have thought 20 years ago that you could ride a bike from West Memphis to Shelby Farms, you, you know, and, you know, maybe an, an hour plus, you know, maybe an hour and 30 minutes. It just, I mean, who would have thought that you could actually do that? And with an e-bike, it's quite doable. Uh, the avid cyclists may love to go traditional, but, but many more people can do it now. But Big River Crossing, what an amazing um, um, project, uh, an amazing addition. 
for Memphis. It's really opened uh, opened us up and um, uh, that beautiful work, the green line and everything in between is just it's just wonderful. So we really need to keep the momentum going. Uh, and we need to add more. I know Nick is hard at work with that, uh, uh, but uh, he really needs all of our help. Uh, and then now every Memphian has to jump on board. Every Memphian has to get out and ride a bike. And we're hoping that the new e-bikes in our launch will excite them to do it. So anyone who's been hesitant and thinking, oh, it's been 20 years, I've seen people jump on after 20 years of not riding a bike, and they just take off and they're giggling and smiling and just having a great time. So, Okay, so everybody do your part. Yes. <laughs> so Anton, just is before I let you go, is there anything I didn't ask you that um, – that about explore bike share that um is important that you want to tell me well you know we really just need everybody's uh support not only to ride um but we appreciate your support whether it's uh, a donation to our organization which is nonprofit um or uh, uh larger contributions from uh from companies uh and, and municipalities uh, we really uh, need that support, but I just encourage you to remember the health benefits that are really a part of this. Um, there are um, challenges that we all face, but I think even some greater challenges in the South based on the way we live our lives um, that present a challenge. So, uh, so bike riding really can be the answer to improved health uh, 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 a greater longevity of life as well, too. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here, but, um, but you know, the bike infrastructure is, um, in, and I'm including Explore Bike Share in that, is, you know, is a relatively small investment for the potential benefits. You know, it brings down the cost of transportation. The health implications are extensive. It's important from an economic development perspective. You know, companies moving here with a relatively young workforce, people are looking for, you know, green lines and they're looking for bike share programs. People who have traveled and seen these things, they want those things at home. And so, you know, I do hear people complain even now about, you know, the cost of putting in a bike lane. It's just like, what? That's, it's, it's, and I realize that this is my bias, but it's, I think that's insignificant in terms of the benefits to our city and to the society. Yeah, but, and it's also tiny compared to the investment that we're making for automobiles. Oh, don't even get me started about that. And <laughs> so much on automobiles. So, um, yeah, and so it, it, it's very interesting that we operate as a nonprofit organization. But yet, uh, um, there's 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 so so much of our own dollars, our community dollars, that are invested in in automobile transportation. As essential as it is, the reality is that we have a choice, and we really can make, as you point out perfectly, a very small investment, and get ourselves on bikes, and and, and again live a much healthier life. Um, so it, it, to me, it's a win-win. It, it's a win-win solution, but it's important for us to get behind it fully as a community. So, so, so again, you, you will see us around in the coming months. We have quite a bit of fundraising to do to um, complete the process of getting our e-bikes uh, launched. So um, we'll be out in the community asking for help. Okay. Well, great. Well, that's um, so I've been talking to Anton Mack, who's the executive director of Explore Bike Share. That's a great way to end the discussion on an, on a positive note. So thank you so much for coming on, Anton. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this and for making Memphis uh, so much greater. You're listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. Have you checked out any of WYXR's other shows? You can see the whole program guide on our website at wyxr.org. And while you're there, please consider making a donation. We're a brand new station lifting up everything Memphis, and we need your support. But don't go away. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Welcome to the to part two of Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm joined by 
Dr. Charlie Santo, University of Memphis. I feel like I introduce you a different way every time, just to to keep it interesting. Um, And don't always use that honorific, but today I am. So welcome back, Charlie, to the program. Well, thank you, Emily. Good to be here as always. So um, the first, you know, the, 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 this show, the first half was an interview with Anton Mack, who is the, you know, new-ish executive director of Explore Bike Share. And I got to meet Anton, you know, through a different nonprofit several months ago. And when he took that position, I just decided I really wanted to have him on. He's got a very interesting background and just feel like he brings a lot to the position. So I'm excited he's there. And I thought the of course, of course, I think all of my interviews are interesting because <laughs> because it's my yeah. interviews. But I thought, but I thought he, you know, I thought he had a lot of really interesting things to say. So so let's just talk about that, I guess, about some of his uh, some of what he had to say. Did you have what what a particular kind of? Uh, well, I mean, I I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Um, I'm always thinking about what's the uh, what's the soundtrack for this. So if we if we needed a, a theme song for this episode, you know, the obvious one would be uh, "Bicycle Race" by Queen, but you could also do anything by by David Byrne from the Talking Heads. Um, I don't know if you know this, but David Byrne's a huge cycling advocate. I knew that. I, they, doesn't he travel around with a, I've heard he travels folding around bike, yeah. with a folding bicycle. Got a folding bike. He's written a book called uh, Bicycle Diaries, which is basically like his travelogue journal about experiencing cities uh, and have the, the, the different experience you get taking in a place from a bike. Um, I think Anton sort of touched on some of those things too, right? The beauty of, of riding a bike. So yeah, I thought it was great to hear that they they got a lot of ridership during the pandemic. Um, and I think that we saw a lot of that. I think with the limited options for recreation, a lot of people really did sort of rediscover the outdoors and parks and walking and biking. Um, I, I personally saw a lot of that on the green line. I know I got my, my 20 year old bike out of storage and spent a lot of time on the green line last spring and into the summer. Um, and saw a really different sort of riverfront, uh, with especially with Riverside Drive closed. A lot of people out there, uh, locals using the space, it felt so different to have so many Memphians out there and not have the tourists wandering off of Beale Street. Um, yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time. I did spend a lot of time in Overton Park. And I guess I went to Greenbelt Park a couple of times. I'm thinking about the real lockdown period. I don't think I went to the... Definitely. There's a what that I was happy to hear that as well. I wasn't surprised at all because as you said, and and I mentioned in my interview with him that the article that High Ground just published about, again, not surprisingly, that the data shows that, you know, park and green line usage was up substantially um, during that period of time, which is great. And, and hope, I mean, I don't want to, obviously, we're not really talking about parks today, but I'm hoping that that will, especially since we, I just had Nick Walker on talking about the new parks plan. I'm hoping some people sort of rediscovered parks, rediscovered riding a bike. And now the pandemic's over and they can go back to going to the mall or whatever they did before, (laughs) they'll still incorporate that into their everyday life. Because we do have so many great outdoor amenities here in Memphis. Yeah, I mean that would be a nice little side effect, positive positive side effect of the pandemic if people just started to continue to use those things that they sort of were, you know, picked up um, picked up those good habits. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if we get locals, you know, connected to to things like bike share and using them more, I think that's a it's maybe a, a change. Um, and I don't know, I don't think you talked about this with Anton, but I wonder. You know how many of the users of of Explore Bike Share are typically tourists, and how what that shift sort of how that changed uh, over the past year, and hopefully, you know, like you said, hopefully we we start to see more locals use it on a regular basis. Well, I'm guessing that, um, of course, there were fewer people coming to Memphis. So I remember when the system was first built. You know, there's that there's that you know balance. I do think. Tourists are big users of bike share programs generally and in a lot of places. And so I remember uh, the challenge of putting together those first 
you know, maps of station locations because you want it to be to be successful out of the box. And so mm-hmm. you want to put some of them in tourist locations, but at the same time want to, you know, serve the community. I did think that was that was one thing he talked about that was interesting. And maybe this is a little bit of a function of the pandemic that the not the strategy, but the usage went completely to recreation and mm-hmm. and not to commuting. And that changed a little bit about um, certainly how they operated the nonprofit during the pandemic. Um, and then the, you know, the sort of st- strategies they're using to, as, as commuters come back, um, introducing the e-bikes and strategies yeah. they're using to bring that part back. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the e-bike thing is really interesting. I, di- I didn't know about that um, until I heard the, the conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to that balance of, of trying to figure out where to put the stations early on, um, something that Explore Bike Share did that I thought was was really commendable was they they did try to, I mean, they you know, you want to put them where people are going to, where tourists are going to use them by the big river crossing and downtown and all that stuff. But they did reach out into typically underserved communities like Orange Mound and, and made a concerted effort to work with community organizations in those areas um, with almost sort of an education program to introduce bikes to, to those to those neighborhoods, which is really great. Um, but yeah, the e-bike, uh, I, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by that. I think that is potentially a game changer. And, you know, I'm thinking about earlier on, uh, when when bird scooters and all the other e scooters sort of make started making their way into the Memphis market, I'm sure those things really started kind of eating the lunch of the Explore Bike Share. So I wonder, you know, to what extent is the, the introduction of the e bike a response to that? But I think there's a I think there's a I, I think the e bike can be a superior product to the bird scooter because of the the range limitation of the scooters. Well, I think they've. He and I didn't talk about this during the interview. We just didn't have enough time. But I've talked to him about it in the past, and I think they've they've sort of acknowledged the need to coexist. And those, um, you know, those little red scooters, the ones you sit down on, are mm-hmm. part of Explore Bike Share. And in fact, Anton didn't mention this because I didn't ask him about it. But again, he told me in a previous conversation that that's a money, a money, a source of revenue for them. Hmm. So the um, so the the little red sit down scooters are actually technically part of their fleet. So I think they're I mean, I guess it's competition, but there's probably (laughs) a demand for both, especially when you think about people traveling in in groups the two the two seem pretty actually seem pretty different to me yeah yeah i mean i think there's a different you know maybe a different market for someone that wants to be on a on a bike and they can pedal and someone that just wants to zip around on a scooter because it's fun but yeah i mean i think it's um i think it's a it's a whole new um sector right to think about this e-bike so Charlie, you um, when you, when we were having sort of our pre-show chat, one of the things you mentioned was the you know the increased focus on these things, and you called them you know micro mobility. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you made that up or not. It, it, <laughs> it it's I won't ring the bell because hopefully it's self-explanatory. But you said you thought that had some pros and cons. You know, emphasizing that so. Why don't you um, explain your thoughts about that to me? Yeah, I'll, I'll put on the uh, the professor hat. <laughs> so yeah, if we're putting this in in the context of transportation planning, this falls under the umbrella of micro mobility, right? And there is this the increasing focus on micro mobility to to address transportation challenges. That's like the last mile, among other what people yeah, call the last yeah. mile. Yeah, so there's a bunch of jargon we can unpack here, right? Micro mobility, we're talking about any of these small, lighter, agile things like bike share or e-bikes or, or e-scooters, bird scooters. So they're small micro personal means of transportation as opposed to cars and buses. Uh, and the micromobility tools, they're all these shared use things, right? So there's a fleet of these and you can pick them up and use them and put them down. You don't have to own it like you do with a car. So they're stationed around the city. 
And it's just, you know, another way to get from point A to point B. But when you get to point B, you just leave it there. Uh, and somebody else picks it up and they use it to get from point B to point C. Um, and they can be docked. Like I think the, the Explore Bike Station, Explore Bike Share are all in stations, right? So you have to return it from a, to a specific place. Bird scooters are dockless. So you can just leave them on the sidewalk. Um, and so it's a new approach that is being used in a lot of places. And and where where it's useful, where micromobility is useful, uh, and it actually addresses transportation challenges is a function of how it works, right? So the idea is that these things can do multiple things. A, they can get people out of their cars and out of traffic. B, they can get people directly to their destination. It's your entire means of transportation. Uh, and or C, they improve connectivity, right? So if the bike or the scooter can't get you all the way to your final destination, it can get you maybe to a transit station that does. Um, and so they're really just, they're ideal for, for short trips. And Americans take a lot of short trips, right? Last year, 35% of all U.S. vehicle trips were two miles or less. Okay, uh, wow. 20% of them were less than a mile, right? So that's the kind of trip where you're like, come on, don't, don't jam up the roads and pollute the air. Just hop on this bike if it's convenient, right? Um, so the places where, where these approaches, micromobility, the places where they're solving a problem are places where there are problems like traffic congestion, places where you see a lot of density, San Francisco, New York City. Uh, and those places, car ownership and car commuting is already comparatively low. And people in those places do make a lot of short trips because things with density, things are close together. Um, and those places also tend to have robust transit systems because density allows that luxury. Right? So even if you have a long trip and the, the, the e-bike or the scooter can be the first or the last leg, it gets you to the BART station, you get off the BART, you make your last mile um, on, on the scooter. Um, so they work really well in solving problems in places like that. In places like Memphis and mid-sized cities that are larger and, and sprawling and don't have a lot of density, they can't really play that same role, right? So the, the reality is that the, the e-scooter or the e-bike as the last mile transit option, it really implies connectivity to some other form of public transit. Um, and it really doesn't mean all that much when public transit isn't adequate or doesn't exist. Um, but that doesn't mean it's it's has no value. I mean, Anton pointed out some good examples of, of e-bikes being able to get people out of cars and make life easier, right? If you're going from one city office to another, or if you're going from the medical district to a meeting downtown, um, you can do it on an e-bike and, and do it relatively conveniently, more conveniently than getting in your car and parking. You probably get hotter and sweatier sitting in your car waiting for the air conditioning to kick in than you do take a nice breezy ride. Well, how, but, th but we do have last mile issues here. And and I don't, maybe I should defend that because I mean uh, maybe I should define that because it is kind of jargony. So last, essentially, you know, in a city like Memphis, especially as it relates to the transit system, people who rely on transit don't necessarily live all that close to a transit line, and they mm -hmm. may live, and even if we if. Charlie, if you and I got everything we wanted from Mata, that would still be the case. Um, <laughs> people are going, you know, people live um, a mile or more from the bus system. And, and then on the other end, you know, it's frequently the case that the bus will, you know, drop you in the, at the entrance to, you know, big warehouse area yeah. and you walk you know, a considerable way if the, if the company doesn't provide van transportation. So that's still, and, and it's, it's the quote unquote last mile. It's the last, even if you had a great transit system, you know, a lot of people don't have the ability to, to at the front end or the back end, make that last link on foot. And mm -hmm. so, so what, um, if it's not micro mobility, are there other, solutions for that oh well i mean the, the other solutions uh involve different land use decisions right trying to increase density which we're, we're starting to see happen um but i mean yeah it's a function of our economy and our reliance on logistics as the thing that drives our economy which means that a lot of our jobs are going to be warehouse jobs and they're going to be 
near the intermodal freight transit facility. And so, yeah, micromobility can can play a role, right? If you imagine when I get to some bus stop down there in, in Southeast Memphis, there's a, um, a station of e-bikes ready to go. Um, that helps, right? It doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, so those things are important. The, the one thing I worry about, and it's not a, it's not a knock on, on micromobility per se, but it's a knock on how we as a society now think about the role of the public sector. Um, what I worry about is if we continue to focus on these small scale, in many cases, tech-based private market solutions, right? It creates this illusion that, well, look, we have all these other tools out there. Uh, we've got it covered. We don't need to worry about improving our transit system. And that, that I think, is a problem, right? If we start to take our eye off of that, um, because we really can't, we can't solve this problem without addressing uh, and creating a more robust transit system. And that requires a, a, a bit of a mind shift you know, to think about transit as a tool for addressing poverty and addressing economic development and to think about it as uh, a public good, that we're not trying to think about, well, the bus needs to pay for itself. No, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a something that... that that's, ridi- that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. When people say that <laughs> roads don't pay for themselves. Right, and that's where the vast majority of our transportation budget at the federal and state level goes. Really? Um, I mean, buses, buses should, in a city like Memphis, buses should be free. Right. So maybe that, maybe call me a socialist, even though <laughs> I'm not, but buses should be free. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes me think about beyond the, the budget decisions that are going on right now, right, uh, with the city and the county. Uh, and I, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here or too wonky about it, but we're talking about, well, the fact that our property values have gone up, but then we're just going to drop the property tax rate uh, so we get the same amount of revenue. Well, we don't. that doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> if the assessed value has gone up, it's because the asset, the value of your assets has gone up. And so, you know, there are this, this coalition talking about the, the creation of a moral budget, standing for children and building Memphis and Micah and others. The moral budget idea being that the, the budget, our budget reflects the things that we value as a community. And so maybe we don't have to slash the, the tax rate because the property values have gone up or at least not slash it all the way so that the revenue stays the same. If we do that, that means more revenue in the budget that can support things like housing and education and transportation. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a plan. Matt has, has done a plan, uh, a transit vision plan and it's a price tag on what it would take to increase frequency of bus trips, cut one-way trips on most routes to under an hour. And we could fund that if we didn't slash the, the property tax rate. So I think we have to keep that that focus um, and, 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 and tension on that as well. Okay, that makes sense. So last question, Charlie, we don't, we don't have a lot of time. Um, I think you had some ideas for enhancements to the Explorer bike share system that you thought would be, or enhancements to, you know, different kinds of bikes that are available for the community for people to use in addition just to your traditional single family, single person passenger bike. Yeah. And there's a lot of conversation about equity in this micromobility space. Um, So Transportation for America has a, what they call a um, a shared active transportation playbook, and it includes a whole section on equity. Um, but I'm thinking about things like, you know, I used to ride my bike to work all the time before I had kids that got into school age and then started going to different schools and we had to split up driving them to school. Um, so a lot of the, you know, those conversations about short trips, the, the less than a mile trip and, hey, man, don't get in your car and pollute, just take a take a bike. Well, what if that short trip is me going to, to, to the laundromat or going to get groceries? Uh, so what if we thought about cargo bikes, right? e-cargo e- bikes or shared cargo bikes or shared bikes that would allow you to, to take the kids with you? And those things exist in other places, um, probably something that Anton has, has already thought about. But just things like that would increase the utility of it and, and allow it to be used for different kinds of trips. That sounds great. Actually, I have not seen that, but it makes a lot of sense because you do see people taking their kids to school either on the back of a bike or in a little trailer. You do see that. And occasionally you see cargo cargo bikes here, but I like the idea of being able to 
to do that so you could run errands, like you said. Yeah. So that's an interesting idea. Well, Charlie, we've run out of time, sadly, and but it's been a great conversation, and I really look forward to seeing more of what Explore Bike Share is up to. Seems like they're on a really positive trajectory. Me too. Thanks, Emily. You've been listening to Memphis Metropolis on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Emily Trenum. Memphis Metropolis airs every Monday at 1, so please tune in again next week. You can listen to past programs on our program page at wyxr.org or on memphismetropolis.com. You can also follow us and send feedback on social media. Now, stay tuned for Memphis Undercover with Nancy.